I'm Terry Taylor, and this is the Interior Design Business Academy podcast. As an interior designer, you may be thinking, I love what I do, but I am so overworked and underpaid. Let me tell you, I've been there too. I spent many years learning from my own mistakes and developing proven strategies and systems to make interior design a profitable career while keeping it fun and creative. So now I'm here to help you get paid what you're worth. If you're ready for some straight talk about how design business really works and you're ready to break through old belief systems that are holding you back and shift into beliefs that support your goals and bring lasting success, you are in the right place. There are some budget mistakes that you just can't afford to make, like doing a $60,000 budget room for forty. Now, I realize that you can do that. You know all the tricks of the trade. You could pull that off, but that's not what the business is about. If you're going to do that, do it for yourself or do it for your sister, do it for somebody you care about. But as a business practice, it doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't work for you. Quite frankly, when you have somebody come back at you, when you've figured out that the budget to do this job should be $60,000 and they say, well, can you do it for 40? Your answer needs to be, sure, I can. Absolutely. What do you want to take out? Okay? You Be truthful about budget and be forthright about what things really cost. It's an important part of your job. And trying to slide through that and do it for less and people please, essentially, at your own expense just doesn't work in the end. Now, you can't do a job that's so small that you don't have a profit. This is a business, not a charity, so you need to look at it that way. So when you meet up with somebody who has a very tiny budget, say $16,000 for a living room, you need to talk about that clearly and let them know that, that what they watch on HGTV isn't really true. You know, one of the things that I say to people who, who, who throw that back at me is go, really? You believe what's on reality TV like it's real? Okay. I mean, if you make a joke out of it and make it silly, they're going to realize that that's not real and true. Okay. So you want to start with that piece and, and get that out of the way to begin with. Now, if somebody does have a teeny tiny budget, um, you can't afford to go in and design the whole thing and buy stuff out of Wayfair for them because A, you've got creating a whole lot of liability and B, there's no profit in it. Right. And if you can't run the business as a profit and get paid for your time, this isn't worth doing. Now, if you really want to help that person, and you could, you could offer to do a design for them. You could offer to, to create a space plan and a color scheme and pick out the basic pieces of what it should look like and give it to them in a package and they could go out and finish it from there. I mean, that is a way of handling those situations if you want to do them. But you need to be able to charge enough, you know, say $2,500, something like that, to be able to do that. Because, you know, you are have to gonna go out and do a measure and gather information, and then you've got to draw it, and, and then you've got to pick out a few pieces and package it up, and then go back and present it again. So you realize there is... There is a flow in that. There is, you know, that is a business model that you could do, but you've got to realize that it's going to be a $2,500, $3,500 idea to do that and then let people buy on their own. 
Okay. Now that is a way of handling it. I don't know if that's what's in your, in your business plan, if that's what you want to be doing, but, but it is a way of, of managing that and taking care of those people. And, and true, they might grow up into, into real clients, big clients one of these days. So that's okay too. So all, you know, all of those things are, are useful. You've just got to be careful and, of looking at what the bottom line is when you're getting into jobs. Because one of the struggles that we get in trying to move up market is we get caught in all these little jobs that take way more time than we can actually charge for. And then we don't have time to do the marketing to move into the bigger stuff that we really want to do. Right. So, so think about that before you say yes to that kind of a job, realize what, what things really do cost. Okay. Now, Another way of looking at that would be not really talking to the client about what they really want to start with. What do they really want in terms of budget? Okay, a lot of times we'll get a couple of things. We'll look at the, the house and the way she dresses and the furniture that's in there, the car they drive, and make an assumption that we know what that what the budget level should be. Now, inevitably, <laughs> that doesn't work. It's like Murphy's Law of Design coming back on you. You know, as soon as you try to do that, you you create this beautiful design, you present it, then you present the costs, and they faint and fall on the floor, okay? No, having no clue what this was going to cost after you've done all of your beautiful work. And it's so upsetting and so depressing and all of those things. So, so there needs to be some conversation a little clearer about that right in the beginning about what things cost and what people are, are comfortable with paying. The other side of that is when you do that and don't really have a budget established with a client, you could come in too low. Okay. You could come in underneath what they want. Right. And when that happens, what you're going to get from the client is, well, you know what? I don't, I don't think you get me. You don't get what I want. And you don't get a second chance. You know, <laughs> the one that you come over budget, you get to redo it and, and lower it, which means you do the work twice and you get paid less on the, on the product, but at least you get it. When you miss it going the other direction, uh, you don't get to do it again. And, and, you know, that is your ideal client that you're trying to work up to. So learning to talk about budgets and learning to talk clearly about budgets is really important. You have to realize that if you say, what's your budget? And you get an answer. That's fine. You need to explore what they think that amount of money will actually cover because it's often not realistic. It's just a number that came out of somewhere. And it's your job to be realistic about it. You know, on the other hand, you want to know that a lot of times people say, well, I don't know. I mean, that's the standard answer when you say, what's your budget? And, and you've got to go further than that because, you know, what I think they hear when you say, what's your budget is, is, is how much money do you have? <laughs> right? I mean, and then they, then they retreat backwards and you can't talk about money anymore. Okay. Because there's some kind of, some kind of idea that's attached to us as designers is that we're going to be outrageously expensive, which actually we're not. We tend to cut off our own noses and try to get people deals. But, but, you know, they don't know that. All right. And so, and so it gets totally backward. And then if you drop the ball there with the budget and don't talk about it anymore, you're left without the programming you need to actually get the job done. So what I know is that people will talk about how much things cost. 
things, right? Things, sofas, <laughs> flooring, <laughs> appliances, that sort of thing. That sort of thing they're looking at. That sort of thing they have an idea of. Um, they can tell you what they're comfortable with and you can ask them and ask them in a very non-evasive, non-aggressive way um, to, to tell you what they're comfortable with. Now, what can happen there then is that they never actually added all the pieces up to find out what it all added up to in the end. That's something you could do for them. That's something that you could work with to help with that budget. So that's another piece that you want to look at along the way so that you have all the programming information that you need to actually create the design for the, for what the person wants and be able to hopefully sell the product on the back end as well and actually get to complete the whole thing. So that can be very, very cool as long as you play your cards right. Now, another place that we get stuck in budgets, that we get in trouble, we get in mistakes that we really shouldn't make, is rushing through pre-planning a quote. Now, when you, we, we tend to get very enthusiastic and, and anxious to get into the design part because we're excited about it. We love to do it. I mean, we're working from the heart. It's like, this is the, the cool part. However, when you jump in too fast and don't get the preliminary stuff set up, you pay for it in the back end. You pay for it in, in all kinds of, all kinds of ways that clients act up because they don't really know how the process goes and what they're supposed to do. So in, in, Working on a quote for something, you want to always be very generous with the money, not skimpy, okay? We don't ever want to skimp because the skimp will come back on you, okay? And the saving of a couple dollars here and there where you're trying to save money and be really, really tight with the money and, and make it really work for them, what happens is if you come out too tight, you get too tight, you pay the price. You end up making up the difference, and it's painful. So some some examples is talking about this. Um, an example of this would be bringing a contractor into a kitchen remodel job, and he walks in, and you do it, say, maybe on the first appointment, and uh, because you want to look like you've got the capability to do this and that, you know, the wherewithal and professional, right? Um, and it's a nice thought, except that the problem is that he create, he walks through and creates a, what called a wag. Okay. A wag big, a bit. And, and you know, a wag, excuse my language, but a wag is a wild ass guess. Okay. And so he t says in front of the client, yeah, we can redo this kitchen. It's probably 8,000 like that. And you go, okay, great. And you grab that number and you run with it. Now, what happened is, is it got a little too excited about that because you got to realize that contractors lowball numbers because they believe that the lowest number will get the bid, get the job, right? And then they just, um, when you want <laughs> the finish that you actually want, well, then it's an add-on. And then when you want the appliances, you really want, well, that's an add-on. And, and they just keep adding, you know, adding by change order till it gets up to 120,000 where it should have been in the first place. They just couldn't say it. Okay. Now, if you are the, the unwitting helper to this, you're not doing a good job with your client and you're not doing a good job with yourself because you don't have good numbers to begin with. You rushed through it too fast and just took his number at face value instead of thinking about what really does this include? You know, does it include $2 a foot tile when you really need 40 bucks a foot? Okay. Does it really include $100 light fixtures when you know there's no such thing, even at Home Depot, there's no $100 light fixtures. So 
you know, taking your time and dissecting things a little bit before you throw out numbers to clients makes a big difference, okay? It's, it's a very, very important piece that you need to get used to. Another spot that you can get in trouble with, with, with quote, quotes and budgets and that sort of thing is getting a quote verbally and not having it in writing or an email or in something somewhere. Okay. That comes from that company. Um, this can be a real problematic spot because, <laughs> because if, if somebody gives you a quote on the phone and then you sell it based on that quote and then you go back to write the purchase order based on that and they go, Oh, no, no, that's not right. It's this much. Um, you've already sold the job and that difference, the delta that you, that you got landed on your head, you end up paying. Okay. So we want to make sure that every time you get a quote for something, it's, it's in writing somewhere that you can retrieve and make it part of your, your job, the collection of documents that you're building for this job. Uh, the, the story I'll share with you that that was about, was about a designer who had a couple of assistants who were, um, not very well trained. They were, um, interns, I believe. And so they were just learning, but one of them called a fabric showroom to get a quote on COM fabric for a sectional that was in part of their line. And the COM came back at, you know, $140 a yard at, and 12 yards. Now, nobody checked that. The order went through for a sectional with 12 yards of fabric. And then when it came time to build the sectional, the company called and said, Hey, you know, this is only half the fabric we need. Now, they went back to the original quote and the, the, you know, the helper said, Oh, well, you just told me on the phone it was that much. Right. And so, you know, there's nothing to fall on. So the designer was stuck on, on buying more fabric. And I certainly hope she could get the same dye lot six weeks later. It's complete it. Didn't have to buy the whole 28 yards over. She could just buy 14 or 16 or something like that. So, so it's really, really important to have those quotes. One of the things I always did in my studio and as part of your bookkeeping processes is when you get that quote and develop that pricing, if the invoice comes back for a different number than what was quoted in the first place, you have something to stand on and you can do it before the product even gets into production. And if they've made the mistake, then it's their mistake, not your mistake, so that you don't lose out. Right. So some of this stuff is just systematic in terms of, of, you know, making sure that doesn't happen so that, you know, your price points, your profit essentially on your business comes out to where it's supposed to be on the end. And once you get those systems in place, it's actually quite easy. You just always do it that way. Now, another place where you can get out of budget and get out of profit and that you want to watch out for is, is, um, doing things that are out of scope. You know, when, when you write a scope for a letter of agreement, you want to be very clear about what you're doing, okay? And how, what the deliverables are. If you just say, I'm going to create this beautiful living room for you and it's $7,600 is what I'm going to charge you. Um, and off we go. Well, what happens is we didn't say how many selections say we're going to give for the living room sofa. Okay. And you can get in one of those positions where somebody just can't make up their mind or the more they look at, the more confused they get. And they really enjoy playing with the decorator. You got to remember that part. So decisions don't get made. The job gets jumbled up. And, you know, eight months later, the selections still aren't made. 
okay? Because we weren't clear in the very beginning about what the scope actually is. If your scope would say that we're going to put this beautiful room together and I'll give you up to three selections for any given item in this design, then you have something to stand on. And when you've done all three for anything that was requested for, your job's done, your contract is fulfilled, and you're not doing extra work to fulfill that. Remember, your time is your money. Time is money, okay? It is the most important asset that you have and that you can't be giving it away. And the way to not give it away is to write letters of agreement that are really clear about what you're going to provide in terms of deliverable, in terms of how much time it's going to take, how many options you're going to give, how many space plans you're going to give. Be really clear about that. How many meetings you're going to have. When you're really clear about that in the beginning, then your budgets land where they're supposed to in the end, and you have a happy client, and you're happy because you're profitable. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Interior Design Business Podcast. If you love what you're hearing each week, let me know by leaving a rating and a review. And don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on clear, proven, repeatable, step-by-step recipes for attracting ideal luxury clients I share in each episode. As always, you can head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com to check out the links and resources from this episode. Till next week, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth.